Hey, welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonato, here with co-host Steve Anderson. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company run by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army assistant, former Army officer, Black Knight Nation podcast guest. And we thank Higher Echelon for all they do for keeping our podcast uh, going. And today, Steve, we have a, we have a, a pretty uh, special guest tonight. We have a former Army offensive lineman and Green Beret. Seth Neiman. Uh, Seth, thanks so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. And then Seth, it's always just good seeing you, man, catching up um, and, and look forward to, to hearing your story tonight. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's Steve, we, we talk about why we do this podcast, right? To hear the stories of former Army players and, and the connections made. And uh, Seth, um, just um, maybe you can get us started on your road to West Point and how you got to uh, the Academy. I think, uh, okay, well, to start out, I'm a poor white kid from North Dakota, and at one point I was the valedictorian of a class of four total kids, but (laughs) I ended up uh, as a starting offensive lineman at our nation's military academy, but to, I mean, literally I was born into a small town in North Dakota, but I think... to really get to the core of who I am, I think I have to kind of talk a little bit about both of my parents because they've been both so impactful in my life. Uh, my mom is probably the sweetest, nicest, spiritual Scandinavian woman you'll ever meet in your life. Um, she taught me a lot. I didn't realize, like, as I reflect on my childhood, I look back at my pictures of me. It was like, oh, wow, you always had a football jersey on. You always had a Vikings jersey on. Like, she was and – and she's the person, you know, when I was in the seventh grade, the night before a football game, she would make me go to my room early, listen to Mozart, and visualize myself being successful on the football field the next day. Like, so – kind of just the core or a huge part of who I am. And then like, and my dad is this, I would say, I would call him rough, uh, tough, kind of a bar fighting, scrappy guy, uh, loves to hunt, loves to fish, loves to play poker. Like, I think at hit like without him, there's no Seth Neiman, the green beret. Like I'm kind of this weird combination of the two of my parents and I'm forever grateful to both of them and the impact they've had on my life and that they continue to have on my life. So, but uh, yeah, I went to a super small town, Kelvin, North Dakota. I ended up being the valedictorian of a class of four, but we'll rewind to December of 1990. And I, I, I listened to a mods podcast the other day who, I, and I, I just told you guys how much I love a mod and he's one of my mentees. And he's like, I'm a unique guy. Uh, I think I would say that about myself a little bit too. And I rem- like, and I was super nerdy as a kid, super kind of always involved in like wondering about current events. And that happened to be the time of the Gulf War. And I loved football from an early age. And I remember December of 1990 watching the Army-Navy football game. Uh, Army won that game 30 30- to 20 over Navy. And I, I remember being like, wow, this is special. This is something that's super intriguing to my brain as a young, 
I was seven years old at the time, but like, I was like, this is, this is something cool. I could see myself being part of something like this someday. And I think, you know, now fast forward and I, I just, uh, now I'm in high school and I, I was recruited by a lot of different schools in the upper Midwest. Uh, and at the time, North Dakota and North Dakota state who are now, I mean, NDSU is the, the greatest powerhouse ever in FCS football. They were still a D2 school. I had a full ride there. I had a full ride at UND. And something in my heart was like, I want to play Division I football. And uh, my dad is originally from Nebraska. And uh, so I grew up a Huskers fan. And I, I they, they recruited me as a, like a recruited walk-on. And I was – I don't know. So it was kind of like there was always Nebraska for me as a child, like dating back to probably being seven, eight, nine years old. I was like, I'm going to be an army football player. I'm going to be a Nebraska football player. And uh, I, I went to several Nebraska's camps. Uh, I used to, and my grandpa, my grandfather lived in Nebraska and I used to go, I would go to a Nebraska camp and then I'd stay at my grandpa's house and work for him. And he, he was like an, a salvage iron salvage guy. So basically I lifted all this heavy stuff for this mean old man who I love. Uh, and he fed me with, or he paid me with steaks and hee-haw, which is the uh, generic Mountain Dew. And it was funny. Like I would go from Nebraska's camp to UND's or NDSU's camp and after two weeks with my grandfather and it was like, wow, I gained 10 pounds and I took two tenths of a second off my 40 just by working for this, this old man that I love. And um, so at any rate, uh, somewhere in there, I, I just, I uh, kind of went down the process of, of applying to the Academy and uh, I started going through the, the the actual traditional congressional nomination process and all this stuff while at the same time I sent my film to to the Army football program and then Travis Neekamp and ended be uh, ended up being the coach that was like you're a six foot five 300 pound kid and you want to come here like and I was like oh yeah I want to come there and uh <laughs> and and then I got the principal nomination from my congressman in North Dakota. And then by the time I took my visit to West Point, it was really kind of a formality. But I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this place. This is definitely where I want to go. This is what I'm about. And uh, it was kind of just the right fit. Yeah, what year was that recruiting visit, Seth? Like, what were, who were the, some of the guys that you met on the team, like, who sponsored you? What, like, did you stay – do you remember the company you stayed in or anything like that? So there were several guys from, so I, I was high school class of 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been several of the O2 guys, um, several guys that, that I met on that trip that became leaders, obviously uh, forthcoming that, that were firsties when I was a plebe. Um I met Chad Jenkins on that trip. I met uh, uh, 
so many, so many good dudes on that trip that, that it was just like Paul Henderson, Brian Zikafus. I, I think that was like, uh, Brian Zikafus, like, I know kind of where you're guiding this question, but like, he became a leader when I was a plebe that I was like, that's a guy I want to be like. I think Brian Zikafus was this no nonsense, tough football player, but also like, he very much was a leader and he kind of paved his own path. And that's the really the guy, like one of those guys that I try to emulate later on. But yeah. When, when, when I took my visit and I compared it to, cause I'm from Maryland. And when I compared it to the Navy visit, it was Damascus like, baby. That's right. Um, <laughs> it was just like, like that's what drew me to West point over Navy, even though Navy was in my backyard. It's like the guys that I met there and how they were as far as like, how they interacted with me, how they automatically wrapped their shoulder around, you know, put their arm around me. It was like, Hey, this is how we do things around here. Um, was just a much stronger feeling than, you know, the Navy. And that's, you know, that ultimately is what I felt more comfortable going to West Point versus, versus Navy. you know, that, and, you know, I'll never yeah. be on the boat for six months. That's just, that's just crazy. <laughs> so well, that's, that's, um, so you took your – you said it was like a formality. So, like, they were already like, hey, if you want to come here, like, we'd love to have you. Well, and I mean, I had a – yes. And I was already – I was nominated by a congressman. I was already been – I was really, truly accepted. It was like <laughs> – like, I had done all of the stuff to get into West Point without being a recruit. And then I – in – kind of at the same time I was being recruited. I got a letter from Travis Kneekamp every week. He came to my house, but he was like, and I remember him coming to my house and be like, you already have a congressional letter of nomination. Like that's pretty sweet. Like uh, yeah. it makes it a lot easier for us even, you know? Uh, yeah. I just remember them telling me to write these three essays and <laughs> do this like basketball throw and get an eye test and you'll be good. I don't even remember talking to my congressman. So that is no, I'd already, sure done, yeah, and I'd already done all this other stuff and interviewed with and each of in in North Dakota we only have one congressman. So I'd interviewed with the congressman and each of the the respective US senators, kind of they've formed this staff, and it was either army and or air force officers. I think that I actually rubbed one of the senators staff because they were all air force officers in the room. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to go to air force. And, uh, <laughs> and it was when I, uh, I ended up being in the congressman's and that was the first time I was like, Oh, now I'm interacting with an army officer. And I'd said like, yeah, I don't think the air force is for me. I don't think the Navy's for me. I'm pretty sure I need to be an army officer someday. And I went into like what like what I thought ground combat was about and why. And I was like, I don't I want to lead humans. I don't want to lead equipment and machinery. And and he was like, after it was all over, he came over and gave me a hug. He's like, that was the best answer I've ever heard of that question. He's like, you <laughs> up, bro. Like, and I was like, well, that's good. I think I did pretty good then. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. So. Now, um, I'm assuming you were a direct commit then. So I was, I was, I was, I was accepted. And, and conversely, you know, hindsight 2020, you look back and you're like, 
my first year, I'm a starting right tackle for the Army football team. And I was a young 21-year-old. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going up against Trent Cole and Andre Frazier and those kinds of athletes. And at the time, they were like, and I'm a nerd, and I always look at different stuff. And I'm like, wow, the average age of the defensive ends that I play is 23 or 24, and I'm 21. Like, that's a that might be a disadvantage. And I had like one less year of development, at least one less year of development. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't change it. <laughs> what was uh freshman year like for you there? I mean, what was the, was there an adjustment at all? But you know, you, you're, you're pretty gung ho to go to the academy. What was freshman year like for you? So I was, and I'm a, like a super goal goal oriented person. I like you know, then and now both to considered myself a pretty intelligent guy, pretty informed, pretty well read. I don't, I still don't think anything at the academy academically is that hard, but it is what the academy truly is, is 10 pounds of poop for your five pound bag. And I didn't know how to manage that. And I, like, I think I struggled as much or more than most plebeians at our nation's military academy, just because it was like, wow, this sucks. Like, and uh, I was in H, I was in company H3 as a plebe. We were on the fourth floor of Pershing Barracks. I believe there was a congressional investigation into how they treated plebes in my company when I was a plebe. Um, <laughs> it was. It was not a cool place to hang out, man. <laughs> and uh, and I, I I I told myself I was gonna be totally pot. Like there was a, there was a first day in that company, I believe. Like he wrote his senior thesis on why hazing plebes was awesome, basically, <laughs> like and how we needed to bring that back more. And I remember one night, it's like, and I, I'm not gonna say his name, but it, I'm sure he's, he he's a lovely guy, but. Uh, I remember like going to the bathroom. It's the evening study period. And I'm like, I'm stepping out into the, like stepping out of the hallway, just trying to go to the John, you know? And all of a sudden this guy had seen me step out of my room and he runs, I mean, and it's in the fourth floor of Pershing Barracks is a long way. So he runs like a hundred yards to come get in my face. And he goes, fourth class got out. Did you look both ways before exiting your room? And I was like, yes, sir. And uh, he goes, oh, well, good job. <laughs> and that was it. But like he and if I, had, if, had I said no, he was going to let me have it. And I was like, uh, I was like, there's no way you could see that I did or I did it from 100 yards down the highway or hallway there, bro. But I didn't say that. But I, anyways, I got to go to the bathroom, went back to my room. and. Um, but so my plebe year is also September 11th, 2001 happens. Well, I'm a plebe. Wow. And that same firsty that liked the Hayes plebes, like we had at the time, uh, you know, we were the last class to not get a laptop computer. We had desktop, desktop computers. And so we had desktop computers and we had a coax cable that was also issued with it. So you could watch cable TV, but in our company, uh, it was an inspectable item 
that the wrapping on your coax table as it came new was still there. So they knew that no plebe ever watched TV. Like you are not allowed to watch TV. And, um, and it was September 11th happens. It's, it's morning. I go back, I'm coming out of class and I go back and like this firsty has us all the plebes on a distro list and he emails us all take that, like, Take down your coax cables, plug in your televisions. You're allowed to watch TV today. Like, and then that for me was like, holy shit, like something crazy is going on. Uh, the guy that's really not that cool has told us that we can watch TV. And that that was like September 11th. Yeah. So Seth, Seth, do you look back at that guy now and think like he was just trying to uphold the standard, or was he really trying to be? like extra, extra as a first year against plebes. I think that guy himself was hazed because a lot as a plebe. And I do think there was a transition that happened right before then. Uh, but like even the, the court continues to evolve and change. And as much as we, you know, the court has blah, blah, blah. Like the, the firsties, when I was a plebe, they were allowed to smoke cigarettes in the barracks still. Like, that's how old I am. <laughs> and, uh, or, or not how old, but like, when you hear that, you're like, wow, people smoked in the barracks? Like, yes, like two years older than me, they were allowed to. So, like, just times change, man. Like, things that we used to say that aren't cool anymore, like, no, that's probably for the best. <laughs> like, but but I think I think he was I think he himself had been hazed a lot for whatever reason and but he believed it was a good thing and try it was like hey this was formative for me and it's I have an obligation to pass it down. Yeah, I, don't I mean think, I, I don't I always, think he was a truly bad person and I don't think he was I don't think it was all about but it, but he believed in it like he at his core of who he was thought that was cool and. I think, I think, you know what, a lot of my classmates that, you know, played a sport or didn't that were in that company, like we were like, I'm still friends with them. Like we're probably tighter because of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I just, you know, as you, as you mature, you know, through life and you think this guy's, you know, the, the buzzword is toxic, right? Or you think this guy's, yeah, know, I, this, I guy's think, just, this guy's just off his, you know, off, out of his mind. Right. And then you get some rank or you get in position to where you now have to enforce the standard. You kind of like, oh, I, I don't agree maybe the way he was doing it, but I know why he was doing it now. He just probably didn't, you know, he could have gone a different way about it. So I just, right. I just always think it's interesting to kind of, w- once you grow up a little bit and you see how people lead you, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think it was the, the worst thing that ever happened to me by, by a long <laughs> shot. And I, and I don't think it's like, you know, and I've met more toxic or people that, that, you know, I don't think he was trying to morally injure it. Yes. He was trying to make us tougher. Okay. I think, yeah. You know, from that, just a, you know, I don't think. It just, from that small snippet of whoever that first he was. Yeah. That's always in your face and, and asking if you're going, you know, looking both ways before you leave your room, are your hands cup, you know, what's for dinner on Thursday, whatever. Right. There's also the guy that's going to email you and say, hey, 
check out what's really going on in the world. Right. Um, well, I think that's a, I think that's a good takeaway from the story. Like, right. yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to go in a rabbit hole in that forever. Uh, but, but it's, but it's, it's a, it's a big part of my story. And then also just because I think as an 18 year old, prefrontally or prefrontal cortex developed like adolescent brain at our nation's military you're so impressionable and and uh and me you know i'm a kid from north dakota like that that grew up feeling like part of a greater family like when i went to school like really close to everybody so like i mean i think september 11th was like when you you're like, hey, and I'm I'm at our nation's military academy, and this happens, and you're like, what? Uh, when did wow, you get the? Some... When did you actually plug in? Like, what was? Do you remember like when you actually plugged in? And... Yeah, it was that morning, and it was like in between one tower's fault, like one's not gunned down yet, and I mean, and and I think like going to Bartlett Hall, you could see smoke in the air. Like, that's like, hmm. like, people don't remember that, but I do. Like, like, you're like, oh, like, that's, like, there's smoke in the air, and that's from Manhattan. Like, that's how close we are. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people think about that. And then I think all, like, and I have this bias, and I, I mean, this is just my story, of course, but like, my myself and my classmates, like, I mean, wow, talk about impressionable, like the most impressionable people in the core at the time. And this stuff is happening and you can see the smoke in the air. And this guy that was just the meanest guy is now being like, go ahead and watch TV. Like what well, you're like, what there, this is crazy. Like strategic, like, like, I think this is going to change the history of our nation, which it obviously did. Yeah. Seth, I don't, I think you're the, I think you're the first guest, and Sal, you might need to correct me, that actually was at the Academy who's brought this up um, during that time. Yeah, we've had guests, um, not particularly for a, a solo podcast that have been on. Is uh, Dustin Plumador in your class, Seth, or no? Dustin was a firstie when I was a plebe. Dustin, so, you know, okay. another guy that I looked up to. And yeah. I, mean, I mean, when you look at the uh, – the, uh, the the what are they called the the game day uh, program yeah. pamphlets deals what are they called yeah. uh the flip card the flip card maybe yeah like it's Dustin who's like the following year it's him with his hand on his heart at Army Navy and that's right. the first one post nine eleven like Dustin is tremendous guy tremendous leader tremendous offensive lineman but yes but I yeah, the know, program the game program yeah. How did yeah, the program? How did Thank the you. um, how did the academy change, or how did how did I that think our country change, man? <laughs> like, um, I, I honestly, <laughs> and I mean, I think I went through a little spell where I thought about leaving, not because, uh, no, because I was like, I was like, there's a war going, like, and I want to be part of it, and I think I'm going to be stuck here at the academy, and I'm never going to get to participate. Like, I was concerned. I was like, there's some bad people that need to be killed. And I was like, I'm not going to get to do it if I'm going to physics class. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because the last, the last, uh, the last thing we were kind of in was, you know, 
72 hours, it was over. So right. I, I, could, I could imagine that there was an itch to. Uh, yeah, I, th- I to think like, there hey, were a lot of guys. I think the more like. Can I test out of physics and calculus? Well, not, I was like, mm, physics is not that fun. Like, can I just go apply some physics to some people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> what, um, how was, uh, and I know that year was, um, that year was pretty special as we look back in the history because it ended, it ended up being the last win we had for for 14 years over over Navy. Um, can you kind of talk about that game at all, if you remember it? And I do, um, and I have a picture of myself next to Norman Schwarzkopf in the locker room after the game. Um, but I really, really, truly, you know, I say I'm one in three, but I was really, you know, non-participant in the actual activity of the game. Probably one of the, you know, when history of the Army Navy football game, I think, you know, Army Navy after the Kennedy assassination, maybe like those two are probably the ones where like people were like, we were so rallied together as a nation. And I think, you know, and I think we talk about that sometimes as a, like how cool, how cool it was to be an American, not, I mean, still traumatic, but September 12th of 2001, how much we all loved each other. How much we were all were united together. I think like September 12th was a special day for our nation because it was like, man, we got to figure this stuff out and we're going to do it together. And uh, I think that's impactful. I think that like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't mean to try to compare it, but it, it kind of reminds me when I was at the academy, you know, we finally were able to take down Osama bin Laden. Right. And that was a very uh, proud day to be at the academy um, as far as like so, we all like we all were together as far as like upperclassmen, lowerclassmen. It didn't matter. You were at the academy. Everybody was high five and everybody was shaking hands like. Everybody was enjoying the fact that we were able to get rid of such an evil person. Right. Um, and, you know, you talk about how close the nation was during that time. And it just kind of, you know, reminds me of that's 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 the only kind of parallel or kind of close thing I would I would bring to my experience at the Academy. And I'm trying not to be. Uh, no, dis- I'm definitely not dismissing you, Steve. and love you, buddy. Like for me. And I was in Robin Sage when it happened, when 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 Bin Laden was killed. And I there's a like by that point in my life, and and I'm trying to not get too whatever about the boat school or the other school out west, but like I've heard the word other people say hate, so I'm just gonna go with that. Like I don't like I really don't like these people in Annapolis or the people out west. And then as a special operator, there was a lot of years where I was like, like, and it it was those years of us losing an 80 too. Like, I mean, and 2013, like 2014, the week before army Navy. And I felt, I still felt this pain in my heart because we didn't like, there's me right there. We didn't take care of business my senior year. 
And I was part of this evil streak. And I was mad. And I like I didn't sleep the wake of Army Navy 13, 14, 15, those years, because I was like, we're gonna get those bastards this year. Like, and it was and, and then and a little more of that, like I don't so and I think there that like I was, I know I knew every piece of plead knowledge because I was in company H3. Like like, hey, you know what? We plebes rank better than all their admirals in the whole damn navy. There's a reason they taught us that, and part of that's that rivalry. And I don't like them. And the fact that a Navy SEAL got to kill Bin Laden made me mad too. <laughs> 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 and there was, and, and I was like, and I feel like in the in these years, like in the middle two thousands and and early two thousands, it was very this culture of like. You know, if you're just a patriotic guy that bit, 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 turns into Fox News and loves America, you know, you know two things. And it, but you're in the 99% of people that have never served. You know what you know? Navy skills killed Bin Laden, and Navy football kicks Army's ass every year. And like that drove me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, said I'm I'm 0 and 8 against Air Force and Navy. You know, trust me, I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it I drove got- me crazy. Yeah, and I like I I, like, I do I, not I, like them. Like and I, I mean, I live, <laughs> I live super. Like I live, I shouldn't even say where I live. I live so close to Annapolis now, but I yeah. live in Maryland, very close to those people, and I have reservations about living where I live. I was going to be like, ah, oh, because my wife works at Fort Meade. I was like, you can drive a little further. We'll still live in Virginia, so I don't have to live that close to the boat school. But yeah. uh. Uh, uh, one, one, uh, I think it was last May, so 2000, 2021, me and Ali had uh dinner in Annapolis. Okay. And it just, and we didn't even think about it cause we pay no attention, but it just happened to be Annapolis grad week. Oh shoot. And we just saw all of them. Me and Ali are just like, <laughs> that's awesome. Look at these. No, we, so actually, <laughs> We live so close to Annapolis that we go to church in Annapolis. And my my preacher is uh, a Navy Reserve chaplain. And my son dares me to say, be Navy to the preacher on the way out every morning. And I'm like, be Navy chaplain. <laughs> but uh, he's like, Dad, you won't say it? And I was like, I'll say it. Don't worry. <laughs> I got this, bro. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a couple weeks or uh, whatever. It was a few months ago. It was whenever they were done with plebe summer. We happened to be going to have brunch after church, and I was like, all these plebes walking around, and I was in their in their white shoes and their white uniforms, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. why do you we? Can't, you can't even, uh, <laughs> you know, not to get too far. You can't even uh, give them the credit of being plebes. They're like middies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. All right, bring, bringing it back, Seth, though, on on uh, Army football. When um, so you, you had that interesting freshman year, right? A lot of a lot of things are, are different now, and and you talk about wanting to leave for uh, a reason most people in your situation wouldn't think of, right? You're leaving because you need to go get into action sooner. I, I've made people laugh because they know how much time I've spent in. 
Iraq and Afghanistan, I was like, I was worried I was never going to have to come to, like, I, I think I've literally said it to people while I was in Afghanistan, right. 10 years later, and they're like, well, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you've definitely, yeah. you've definitely done your time here, bro. Right. But, uh, and, you, and you were, you know, and you were worried you were never going to make it. Yeah. And then like you, ended, you ended up spending, uh, Basically, the same amount of time you spent at the academy. <laughs> yeah, thereabouts. The um, so what what was that spring that spring football like? Uh, is that when, um, you know, they you know I, I don't know how much weight you lost from from Beast Barracks, but it was so, that the time where you were able to put some weight back on and, and and start to really learn the offense. So to quote my guy. Ahmad Bradshaw. I'm a I'm a weird, I'm kind of my unique guy. <laughs> but uh I got I well, I was a pretty good runner. I've always been a really good runner, honestly. And uh, not to be braggadocious or or whatever. Um I was when we went to when I went through beast, like if you could pass a normal PT test as an offensive lineman or a guy that was going to be on heavy tables, you got to go to heavy tables right away. And I did. So like I went to beast, I think at 270. Um, I'd lost. And I, as a kid in North Dakota, I played football and I'm my, I, I, and I was a runner. So I, I was an awkward guy that could, at 270, I could run pretty fast, and I could run a two-mile. And uh, so I was like, oh, we got to run it. And, and, and I'd wanted to go to this place for a lot, a significant part of my life. And I was like, well, a big deal is running a two-mile. And I, I was in a really O-line heavy class, and I remember them just, like, being kind of a couple of my peers being annoyed by me because they were like, Oh, Neiman's already on the heavy tables during during Beast, and I was like, "Yeah, it's awesome, bro." I was like, "I eat double portions; <laughs> it's dope." Like, <laughs> maybe if you weren't such a slow turd, you'd come over here and eat with me. <laughs> but I was, I had a like, uh, so I got done with Beast. And I think I was still two seventy ish, and uh, in that in that era, um, yeah, no, that was the Todd Berry era, like. We haven't really gotten talking wins and loss records and all that fun stuff from my time, but uh, which, which I'm, I'm a humble man and I'm happy to, you know, I tell my own kids cause they get cocky and they don't, well, they, and they don't think their dad's ever failed. And I was like, I have gone 0 and 13 when I, when I was giving my best and that, like, and, uh, and that sucks, but like, that, that, that doesn't mean we don't keep working hard and trying. Like, I'm Mr. Deliberate Practice. I'm Mr. Work Hard. Let's keep, let's keep, let's keep grinding, baby. But, um, yeah, where were we going with that? I don't know. Running. I lost some weight. Then no, I was I saying, was, was spring when oh, you the, I remember, I remember. Was that springtime was like. It's a funny story. I remember, I remember John Bond, who was our OC at the time. And it, we're like halfway, or we were a couple weeks into my, the, you know, it was a couple weeks after September 11th, and I, and I was scout team, whatever, worked hard, played hard, but like I remember John Bond, 
And he's, I think John Bond is originally from Mississippi, but he's got a very strong accent for me who grew up nine miles from the Canadian border in Northern North Dakota. And I remember him going like, he, he goes, Neiman, where you, or he goes, what you weighing boy? And I said, uh, 285 coach. He goes, God damn, you're the skinniest 285 pounder I've ever seen in my life. We put, got to put some weight on those bones. And by the, t- uh, I ended up going to stat my plebe year. And so we, when he said that it was probably October of 01 by May of 02, I was weighing, I remember the most I ever weighed as an army football player was 323. And that was as a plebe at the end of my plebe year. And they, they gave me a like the seat, the upperclassmen offensive lineman gave me this thing. Uh it said most explosive weight gain because I'd get like I I was like John Bond told me to gain 40 pounds, so I did, like whatever. Like and uh, and uh no, I hated it. I hated being 320 plus, like it was just the worst. And I was like, I feel so fat I can get into my stance. Like, or like, I like, I'm a big guy, but I like to be able to run. I've always loved to run. And uh, so I was just like, this sucks. And then I think, so really, truly for the rest of my cadet career until Bobby Ross came on board, I was, I hung out at three, like 305 to 310. Yeah. And then uh, just because I wrote down like I was like have been reflecting my like and I saw like I really have done I've done a lot of fun and cool things in my life, but I and I seldom brag about anything. But my like my greatest physical feat that I'm super proud of was when I ran a 13:47 two mile when I was a cow squad leader at Buckner and I was three I was three twelve and I ran a 13:47. That was when I, I was like. You can't keep up with me, baby. Like I like, and my like my squad asked me to run. They and I couldn't like like they're in my new like I was a squad leader at Buckner, uh, Buckner one squad, and they're like, and they're like, well, football players don't have to run, blah 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 blah. But you're a cab in my like my nine Joes and Julines. They love me, and they're like, sir or sergeant, we would like you to run with us. And I was like, you don't? Are you saying you don't think I can keep up? And uh, I was like, I'll run with you. And then I ran at 13.47. And, like, that was even – that was still during the TV era. And he used to like to blag about that. He'd be like, well, one of my offenses run, runs a 13.47. And he's well over 300 pounds. So – That's incredible. That's – um, I've never heard of that before. So, uh, I didn't know – when you said you were good at running, I thought you were talking about, like, 16, you know, 15. Like, that's – that's ridiculous. No, like, I – I was a basketball player, man. I had to get up and out of the court. Like, like I, uh, and then, ba- and I was funny because they, like, you know, North, I'd go 280 my junior year football season to like 250 in basketball season. And then my senior year, I was 295. And by basketball season, I was 260, 265. Cause I was like, it's time to get up and out of the court, baby. Let's run. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. How was, um, how was it different, um, from, when you were kind of like an underclassman, maybe like maybe an informal leader, but like you're following guys that you want to lead to where when you became an upperclassman now, you know, I always think I always I always like to hear guys transition from when they were the follower to the leader or like the informal leader. 
um, as they became upperclassmen with whatever, whether it was just the O-line, whether it was the offense, whether it was the team. Um, I just like kind of hearing like the different approaches that they, that they took. I think at the time in, in uh, retrospectively, I was probably maybe too introverted and not vocal enough. Um, you know, I learned later in life that I'm kind of an introvert, kind of an extrovert. Some people call that a sociopath, but I, uh, <laughs> I like to call myself a sociopath for good. But I think that, uh, at the time I wasn't like, I wish I had been potentially more vocal, but I do think, you know, I've heard you guys talk about culture. I do think we had cultural problems, obviously. Uh, 03, 04. I'm 04 was the comeback. Like we started to come out of the. Yeah, 03 but. was the, I, I still remember I was in. I was either just getting to high school or I was in eighth grade. And I remember seeing Owen 13 on ESPN. Yeah. For, like, for Army. You know, like, so when my kids are like, Dad, you never failed at anything. You've never experienced hardship. I'm like, let me tell you about Owen 13. Like, let, <laughs> sit down, let me tell you about failure. Like, what are those like, conversations like? No, well, like, I, both of my kids are, are, and, and, let you know we haven't even talked about my lovely bride but she's a lieutenant colonel in the army she's a lawyer she has two other master's degrees like she was a long distance runner at the university of southern california uh she's qualified for the in the olympic trials or for the olympic trials twice in the marathon so like my kid and, and my and and according to her, I'm the cocky whatever one with the big ego in her house, and my kids act more like me and blah blah blah. And she's like, well, that's Seth Neiman's kid, but like, uh, no, like they, I don't think, you know, I, I well, I think I'm a teacher. I, at my very core, I'm a teacher. I'm not a yeller. I'm not. I'm not. I don't like being mean to anybody ever. Like it's uh unless you're a bad person, like I don't, I don't get my jollies ever being rude or dismissive or, or, or whatever to anyone. I'd like to treat everybody with dignity and respect, but like my wife thinks my kids both have somewhat of an ego, but like they, they also want to just be naturals. Like, like, and I'm like, there's no naturals. Like, like my, like my first master's degree myself is all about like, all I like was all about deliberate practice, like the 10,000 hours and how you have to grind and like why it's important to work hard. And like at my very core, that's really what I believe in. Like you have to put in the time and effort. So when I get like, oh, I don't want to work hard on that. It's like, no, we're going to work hard today. And then but then you like my kids are now six and seven. So it's like, hey, man, like. When they do hit the ball, like, it's like, dude, it was because we've been practicing so much, like, and like, let's remember, and I, and I also aware of burnout and I'm not a, I'm not a tiger parent. I want my kids to find whatever their own respective passions are. I'm happy to guide them left and right when we get there. But like, but my, my only thing, whether it's dance, piano, whatever, like, don't think your gut's just going to be good at it. Like Mozart didn't just go, like he kept doing it. Like, 
uh, like you got to put in the work. <laughs> it's just a matter of life and, yeah. and learning. And and I, I, you know, when you, who am I as a person? Like, yeah, I'm an army football player, but you know, I'm a guy that has fun and I'm a lifelong learner. Like, and I, I'm super proud of being that. I'm a lifelong learner, and I think the academy, the, the greater academy, instilled that in me. And I, you know, I, I, I truly think that's important. <laughs> like, uh, you should have fun and be a lifelong learner. And I want, like, that's what I want my kids to learn. I, Seth, it's so funny you saying that because I literally just had a son with my seven. <laughs> I just had a conversation with my seven-year-old as I was putting him in bed at night. Hey, man, like every time you do something and I teach you, or I'm, I'm, I'm going through this process. Like it's the first time I've been a father to a seven-year-old going through this process that's another great point <laughs> and i'm like i when you tell me how i'm being i'm learning yeah yeah from you because you're look man like you know for whatever reason you know you know god whatever has chosen you for me and you to go through this father son thing that's first. cool i like that and um I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you i I'm learning. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent good at being a dad in every situation right now. So yeah. And well, life is a journey and it's like, and I only like, I'd like to think, you know, 40 year old Seth is a pretty wise guy, but like, you know how I got to be that kind of like, you know, I've made some mistakes along the journey. Yeah. yeah. I didn't just wake up one day and it's like, boom, you're an army football player. And you know, you have a general science degree. I, and you never, never struggled, never experienced hardship. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, you know, um, not to get too far off base, but yeah, you know, hard times create strong men. Uh, it's a great book. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, um, and it, tough time, tough times don't last tough people do. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. All right, let's pull. Let's pull. Let's pull back from uh, the family counseling we got growing right now, and let's yeah. uh, let's bring it back to. So you know, you go through the O and thirteen. You guys come back the next year, kind of rededicating yourself to. All right, whatever we did last year didn't work, right? Yes. And, and well, and, and so so O and thirteen happens. Uh, that's when that's when Coach Barry got fired mm-hmm. during mid season. Um, it was Mumford. Mumford took over, so right? John Mumford is the interim for us for the rest of the season. And then uh, I think it was December. It was post-Army-Navy. It's announced that Bobby Ross is going to be our next head coach. So, and... Now, did I, you know Bobby? Did you know the Super Bowl, Bobby Ross? Of course, of course. Yeah. No, like, so, like... And I don't mean that uh, rudely. I mean, like, I mean, like, no, like, again, like, to understand my mom, I told her, like, that Mozart, but, like, my mom, uh, when I was a firstie, I'm, like, my mom's visiting, it's grad week, and we're walking along, and I see uh, Marcus Millen and Mike Vitti walking together, plebes. They're plebes. I'm a senior about to graduate. And I love, I like both these kids a lot. And I was just doing interest with my mom. Like these, this is a future of army football player or future of the army football team. I love both these kids. And, uh, and my mom didn't know Marcus 
at the time. Like, but she meets him, she looks at him, she shakes his hand, and she goes, Oh, you're Matt Millen's son. <laughs> and he was like, and Marcus kind of humorously goes, like, I've heard that my entire life from every person, like from lots of people, but never from a mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like she's this in encyclopedia of football knowledge. And uh but yeah, and we grew up around football, and and then it's no, I know Coach Ross is coming. I grew up a Vikings fan. He was he, you know, he'd coached the Chargers, coached the Lions. So uh and again, I didn't want to talk bad about anyone individually ever. Like that's not my style, but it was amazing to see the changes. Um even in the even you know o-line meeting room greater team meetings how practices were run um kind of much more professional and then that's you know i i was and i'll just talk specifically about stan brock because he was my first o-line coach or or i was his first right tackle that he coached and he was a right tackle for 16 years. So like, and I just remember <laughs> like, you know, and, and kind of we, oddly, like when we watched film as an O-line, most O-lines, when you get, you'll, you, the, the, there's the eye in the sky, but you go left to right, like you read. So it's like left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle is last. We did it the opposite. We read we read in Arabic <laughs> because Stan always looked at the. I think he instinctively watched the right tackle first, and so he became. You know, I was like his first right tackle, and it and the culture of just Stan in the meeting room was was very much. I'm going to hold the leaders accountable, and if you're an underclassman. Like I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt, and I think that was I like. I I I love that approach. Well, he would be like, you know, and I like, and he, you knew, like, and I and I mean, I have a really an, an, a good memory, and I like, and you're like, oh shit, the next play is the one where my hand slips off, or I I missed my punch, or whatever, and you know it's coming, and, and then it'll be like, damn it, Seth, like, and you're like, you're like, you know it's coming, like. But like, but it's the oh we're getting that play and then, uh yeah no but but and then conversely I remember like younger guys and I think we we I think we got it wrong in the previous regime I think we were mean on a on the football team even kind of like how we treated plebes and underclassmen they're like oh you're you're. Uh, you're just a scout teamer, like take a nap in the back. You don't matter. Like was kind of the culture. And then, and I remember like in fall camp uh, and because this, this, like, I remember coach Brock getting to like miles Murray and, and like, and miles missed too. Like, it was funny. It was the same day. He just told me like, damn it, Seth. Like I expect better out of you. But then when he gets to miles, it'll be like, He'll say, damn it, Miles, you're a tough son of a bitch, aren't you? Like in a real positive voice, but he's like, but I need you to change your timing just a little bit. Yeah. So it was 
it was it was higher accountability for the guys that he knew were going into a game and more developmental for the guys that needed to develop. And to me, as a leader, you're like, wow, like that. It was just super, super refreshing. And I'm not speaking bad about the previous regime or any of my position coaches. I'm saying that Stan kind of made some light bulbs go off in my brain as a man, as a leader and, and how you treat people. And, and, and like, you can hold people accountable and still be like, it's because you love them. It's not because you don't. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the famous quote is, you know, don't ever be worried when the coach is hard on you. Be worried when he stops talking to you. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, you got to kind of see, and you're pretty close to being an officer, right? So you're, you're, you're finalizing, you're, you know, not necessarily finalizing, but you're beginning to finalize how you're going to be as a platoon leader. And, uh, you can you got to see the impact of what a uh you know just a change just how a change how a change of command can impact an organization absolutely uh, in the positive absolutely it's pretty powerful for you know a firstie um to experience that you know at all places of course but like it means more at the academies because you're about to go do the exact same thing yes absolutely yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, you know, Coach Brock was my head coach yeah. uh, for two years, so um, I I still keep in touch with him this day. Um, one of the best human beings. He's uh, he's I've just ever, a I've tremendous human, like, yep. and he truly cares. Yep. To a man, like everybody he ever coached, and he was invested, and just gigantic yeah. hands, just absolute. Mm-hmm extremely gigantic hands yeah well that's <laughs> i remember that too like my my hands are pretty big and i i remember looking at his hands like going like yeah he was on the extended scale yeah, yeah. like you're like damn like that avatar hands and he he knew it too like in a meeting he's he goes like this and he's he he know and he knows they're intimidating so he just kind of shows them all the time <laughs> like like <laughs> Well, Seth, we, um, you know, um, talking about football and how it's how it shaped you into the Army officer, you obviously had a very um, intense and uh, successful career. And you, you mentioned your wife, uh, you know, Sal mentioned you're a Green Bray earlier. Um, well, when you when you transitioned to be an Army officer, when did you know you were going to go special forces and then. What are things that you always took from the Academy of Army football? You know, you kind of mentioned earlier how you always treat people with dignity and respect. And that's a very, you know, that's a that's an awesome thing to, to continue, continue to do. But when did you know you were going to go special forces? And then how did that really, um, you know, kind of propel your career forward uh, with where you went, you know, back to the Academy and gave back to the program? Um, I didn't know. I, I guess I didn't know that I would go SF. So first yep. and foremost, like when I branched, I, I was an engineer and, but, but when it was my, you know, my branch night happens, you know, okay. So coach Ross arrives. I had been 310. He's like, Seth, I wanted you to be 295. So my senior year, I played 295. 
which I loved because I was lighter, I was faster. Uh, we're still running, running uh, pretty much a pro style offense, offense at the time. Have you know, we ended up beating some teams my senior year. We beat Cincinnati, and they had preseason All American defensive ends Trent Cole and Andre Fraser, Joel Glover, and I. And they used to flip flop their ends. So Joel and I both have phenomenal game against Cincinnati. Goal posts come down in Mikey Stadium. Uh, and I, I feel bad. Like, we've talked about so much stuff. And, like, I wrote that. Like, I kind of have been reflecting and like, guys I want to talk about, like Pete Beer, Joel Glover, Justin Troy, guys I played with that are just phenomenal. Um, like, jo- Joel and I both had really good games against Cincinnati which was, and I think, big for the program. And then the following week, we had a big-time game against South Florida at South Florida. And uh, one game, Carlton ran for, like, five touchdowns. And then the other game, uh, Tyler Robinson ran for, like, five touchdowns. And we won both those respective games. So, uh, but, But really against quality opponents. And I think that's what people, when they talk negative about these years, um, Obviously, record's not awesome. Obvious part of the problem too, like traveling to Hawaii, like that 0 13 team also traveled more miles than any other team in Division One history as well. We played and we played 13 games and we traveled more miles than any other team in history. So I think, you know, you look at it from an administrator, I think that regime made more money. Uh they built the Kimsey Athletic Center, like but that came at a cost. So for the, for the Academy to be successful, like there's so like, and for the football team to be successful, there's so many things that impact it. Like who's the soup at the time? Who's the calm? Who's the Dean? Who's the AD? Who's the head coach? Then, then what's the culture? Like all that stuff matters. And I think, I, I mean, it was more, even more evident when I came back later as a assistant professor, but, um, Anyways, I decided to. Bl- I think a little bit of me went. I'll just say I wimped out because I, in my heart, I was like, I, I know I'm going to be an infantry. I, I, I should be an infantry guy, but to me, the engineer branch was this, this diverse branch that had, like, and I was an environmental geography major. I liked geography. A lot of my professors were engineers. Um. I think in my heart, I wanted to go like, I want to go to ranger school and I want to do infantry, but I was like, if that doesn't work out because Hey bro, you're still 300 pounds. Like this, like you, or you just bro out your knee in um, ranger school or something like that. I was like, I don't want to not like, Hey, you don't get a ranger tab, but then you don't become like your, your whole career is dead. Like that was kind of the culture then too. So I was like, but my like, I knew when I graduated, I was like, I want to go to ranger school. Uh, like, couple of the, and I'm a goal setter. Like, couple of the goals I set when I graduated is like, I'm gonna go to a ranger school, and I'm gonna have the army pay for my, one of my master's degrees someday. And um, but I, so I, I branch engineers, and then uh, I go to engineer OBC Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And I'm number one on the Ranger and Sapper OML to get a Ranger school slot. And 
my class gets zero ranger school slots. So they're like, you go, you can go to Sapper school. So I do that. And I go to Sapper school and uh, go to Sapper school, graduate, do well, learn some stuff. It's awesome. Like I love being an engineer. Engineer branch is great. And I'm a, I'm an engineer in the 101st airborne division. So uh, get to Fort Campbell, like, Hey man, we're deploying in a couple of weeks. Cool. Like, uh, I end up as a platoon leader in Baghdad from October of 06 to October of 07. Um, come or come home. I have three months at home. Deploy again, or and in the three months I'm home, I'd already been to airborne school and cyber school, but I hadn't been to air assault school yet. So they're like, "Hey, you got to go to air assault school." So in the three months I was home, I went to air assault school, pathfinder school. And February of 08, I deploy again. I spent another year in Iraq, in northern Iraq. Uh, and really, so and, and all kinds of things have happened in my life. Like, it's hard to hand wave any of this stuff. My sister died of leukemia while I was deployed to Iraq in, in 07. Um and I think that, like, really, you know, I was 15 months older than her. We were super close. Uh, she's my only sibling. And I think, you know, I'm deployed and I'm loving – I love the Army. Um, I think it was maybe – you know, I'm sure it was hard on my mom, who is the sweet woman, and my dad. Um, like, hey, I, we, you know, we just lost one kid, and this, this other meathead keeps wanting to just go back to Iraq and Afghanistan all the time. And – but it was really so on my first trip as an engineer, we were building the coalition outposts during the, the troop surge. And like it was uh, we were we were building cops and I'm an engineer. So we were literally responsible for the force protection. And I would go out on 10 day missions and we're putting up T walls and the likes and Literally on the third day, everywhere we went, we got attacked. And then we'd get into a prolonged firefight. And uh, I mean, you know, the the bad part of it is you're you're kind of a sitting duck and you but but the good part is you know it's gonna happen and you're like literally like all the time my platoon what as a platoon leader, I was the division main effort. Like and it was like, all right, like we're going to get after it today. Like we're <laughs> going to build some shit and then we're going to get after it and like maybe shoot at some bad guys. Like, and that was my life as a Lieutenant and I loved it. And the professionalism of the NCO Corps, or like in the, like the NCOs in my company was amazing. And I really think that set the tone for me to be like, and, and as engineers, like, and they were all equipment operators, like, so air assault, Qualify and airborne qualified equipment operators go to like one of two companies. They either end up in, in the 82nd or they end up in the 101st. And so the 618th, which they call the nasty because they used to be dirty, nasty legs, and then the 887 Empire. And like, so con consequently, all these NCOs who are 15, 16, 17, 18 years in, like they're really professional, they know their shit, but they also call each other by their first names. And I was like, 
uh, it was kind of a weird culture that if you're not an engineer, if you're not from the airborne community, you don't get. But then you're like, I was like, this is awesome. Like for me, I loved it. And I was like, that's that's what I knew. I think as a, a platoon leader in Baghdad, I was like, I'm going to be an SF guy. Um, I end up, yeah, I went to selection in April of 09, got selected, uh, went through, yeah, went through the Q course, learned Arabic, you know, like all these things along the journey. Like, yeah, I'm a, a kid that was born in a trailer house in North Dakota. Like, but then you're like, wow. And then, you know, when people meet me and they're like, oh, well, that's when I learned Arabic or that's when I got a neuroscience graduate degree or that's when I did this. Like, it's been a fun, it's been a fun journey that, or that's, that's the night I partied with Brett Michaels in, in Nashville. Like, uh, like I've had a lot of fun, fun experiences. So, and it, you know, it wouldn't have been possible about army football, but, uh, I end up, yeah, going through the Q course, end up in the third special forces group. And then, um, was a team leader in first battalion or detachment commander, first battalion, third special forces group um in 2012 and that's when i was wounded um um in in mordak i think in, like when you talk about that part of my journey like and i feel like we talked so much about you know other things that like one of the most okay rewind no i went so i get done with the q course and i've never still not been to ranger school so i've been in the army five years I've led men and women in combat. I've been shot at, uh, shot people. And now I'm a Green Beret, but I still don't have a Ranger tab. And they're like, hey, bro, it's time for you to go to Ranger school. And I was like, mm, okay. No, and I was, I was very much like, okay, I've always wanted to go. And uh, so I ended up going to Ranger school, knock that part out of the journey. Finally, I'm like a 30-year-old man, but I, but I went through – I went through Ranger School with Chase Prasnicki. Um, so, and then and then Chase Chase what and I was blown up, uh, literally a thousand meters from where I was blown up. <laughs> so that's the other like, uh, you know, kind of part of my story, and. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. There's like, there's, there's all like with Chase and then also Drew Ross, like there's all these ways we keep, like we ran into each other so many times. Um, I ended up teaching at West Point and it's branch week. And they, there's some poor bastard SF captain and his team sergeant are standing over there. I'm like, what are you guys doing here for branch week? And uh, they happen to have third group flashes on their green berets. And, and uh, they're like, yeah, we just got tasked with this, sir. And I'm, you know, I'm already a major at this time. And the kid, this, the captain is like, he's like, yeah, we just got tasked with it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I was a third group guy. I was like, what battalion are you? In? And he's like first. And then I was like, what company? And it's like, Bravo. And I was like, what team are you? And then come to find and this, this kid is Drew Ross. And uh, he commanded he commanded my old team like years years later. So it's like a super super small world. And I I don't know like that was when I met Drew, and uh, I don't know like I feel like there's just it's you know it's obvious a small world, but like there's also like 
higher powers, the reasons like you meet people and whatever. So, anyways, me, me and Drew were in the classmates together. Um, we were, we, were, you know, we were in several classes. Uh, good friend. Um, just, it's just wild uh, that. Well, it's, got- it also shows the multi generational like thing, like interactions. You know, like, like you, you know. Like you talk about who impact, you know, other army football, like, you know, Gaylord Green, like, like, and it's funny, like, there's this generational, like, you know, Joe Ross commissioned me, like, hmm. like this, this, and I knew Joe, Joe when he was still a captain, like, you know, and it's this very much multi generational, like, man, I, but this guy had my back here. And uh, yeah, no, it's special. It's super special. Um, yeah, Mike Gams in my Ranger School class, and he was like, and I was, I remember like I ended up doing my equipment layout in Ranger School across the mic, and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, and I'd been deployed for years, and then I'd been in the Q course, so like, and I was like, did you like it? I was like, where'd you go to school? And he's like, West Point, and like he like Mike is very not aggressive in some areas, but then I was like. And then he's funny in others because I was like, I was like, oh, that's, I was like, did you play football? And then he was like, obviously you haven't done a good job of keeping up with the team, otherwise you know who I am. <laughs> I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, and I was like, I'm sorry, man, I've been fighting this war for a couple of years, but cool, like, nice to meet you too, bro. <laughs> but oh, uh, I, love I love Mike, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like it's so funny you say it because Mike's not really like that. He's not at all. He was like, but he kind of like was like, oh, well, I mean, like a younger Mike, the last few yeah, years. but like a younger Mike Gann was like that. You yeah, know yeah, 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 exactly. He's a, he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, it's you know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> That might be that might be my favorite Mike Gann quote now. He's like, obviously you've been following the team very good. Like, <laughs> see, we gotta get him on the podcast. I'll uh, I'll I'll contact him. But oh my god, that's that is <laughs> that is rich. That is that is my new Mike Gann quote. <laughs> he probably doesn't even remember saying it, but he definitely said it to me. It was during the equipment layup in Ranger School. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool, bro. I'm 30, and you're. <laughs> You don't even have a fully developed brain yet, but you can talk down to me. But, <laughs> it's no, I, no, Mike is a great dude. I love. Yeah, him. no, no. It, that's a that's a young Mike Gant quote. That's, that's yeah, cool. yeah. So, man, that's hilarious. Like, but, just, but then, so I, I end up, yeah, I end up. I personally get blown up in uh, twenty seven November of twenty twelve. Uh and it, I'm recovering at Walter Reed, and it was at that time I decided that I wanted to, to, uh, I didn't want to leave the army just yet. So, so I, I put in a packet to go teach at West Point. I was selected to be the executive officer of the Center for Enhanced Performance, and which really worked out quite phenomenally for me because I was able to get my first master's degree while kind of still recovering from amputation, broken back. Uh, my left leg was a limb salvage. I had shrapnel wounds in my right arm 
fractured teeth in the back of my mouth. I was deaf in my left ear for about six months. My eardrum was completely blown out, TBI, all that fun stuff. Um, in total, now, years later, because I've had infections and stuff on and off, but I've had 35 total orthopedic surgeries. And um, like, but it was cool because this is a time, well, <laughs> I'm in Afghanistan. It's the week before I get blown up and my wife calls me or I, I go and I lived in a mud hut. So I'm living in a mud hut. I go up on the roof and Amy and I are seriously dating. She's a, I'm a captain. She's a major. And, uh, we, but you know, we're, she'd left brag. She was hoping to go to Campbell and then I was hoping to go like, Oh, like, once I'm done with this, I'll try to go maybe be a company commander in fifth group. Or like we had all kinds of like, hey, how can we keep together? Uh, and she she called or we're talking on the phone, and I go, hey, how's how's it going? And I and I mean, meanwhile, like on this trip to Afghanistan, I had been in twenty plus like prolonged like. Troops in contact, firefights, uh, all kinds of stuff. My, you know, my team has between in, in the total of an eight month that eight month trip between fourteen total humans. I believe it was there were twenty one Purple Hearts, and uh, really in a bad bad area. But I call her, I'm trying to be like be positive, and she's crying and she goes, They're sending me to DC. And she's literally crying, like, like, oh well, okay, like I'll still be at Bragg. It's only four and a half hours away. Blah blah blah. Like, like I was like, I'm sure it's all gonna work out, you know? And uh so fast forward five days, I get blown up, and then uh she's she's we end up now in DC. We get married, like in Bethesda. We get married. Both of my kids are born at Walter Reed. That's where I have all my surgeries. And then I get my first master's at the University of Maryland in College Park. Uh, worked in a neuroscience lab for like two years while I was doing that to get ready to come to be an instructor at West Point. Then end up at West Point. Uh, and man, I. Super rewarding in a different way, but like, I don't, you know, like I've done things in my life, cool stuff, but like, there's not like the thing I'm most proud of is probably commanding legitimate warriors and fighting alongside them in combat. But like at a very unique, and I'm, I am a teacher, like teaching the next generation of leaders is so important. And like, having the opportunity to go back to our nation's military academy. And I think I gained a bigger appreciation for just really everyone in the whole place that I think you miss out on. And I, I like, I know, and I know the bias that a lot of us as former players have, but it's cool to like, and it wasn't, it wasn't that I thought I was ever better than anybody else there. But like literally never had time as a cadet myself to be like, oh, let me go talk to 
you know, Billy down the hallway. Like I just never had time. And it wasn't that I didn't like him. It doesn't that I didn't want to be his friend. It was like, bro, I spent, I just got done with eight hours at the stadium and I got my ass chewed by the, my coach. And oh, by the way, then my team leader had chewed my ass this morning because my pants weren't ironed properly. And she wants me to also make sure I got a new layer of shine in my shoes tomorrow. And uh, I got a D in history or whatever it is right now. You know what I mean? Like it's all of the stuff of the Academy. So it was like getting the opportunity to go back and interact with kind of the greater collective of not only cadets, but other staff and faculty members and just see how invested they are in the place. I mean, West Point in and of itself is a phenomenal place. It is the premier leadership institution in the world. And I was there at a special time. I, I mean, I'm very biased in so many areas of my life, but like, if you tell me there's a, been a better superintendent in the last 100 plus years than Bob Caslin, I, I like, I, I mean, I loved their soup when I was there, but like Bob Caslin to me represents so much that's right with the world, with, what he believes in character development, academic development, like he gets the whole deal. And like, that was the, like, when, when, in those years, the 16, 17, 18, when I was there as a professor, like, and I, I mean, and I worked, I was in the Dean's directorate. So, you know, worked for Cindy Jeb, my boss in the CP was Darcy Schnack. Like these are two just phenomenal army officers and like, and they care about every cadet and, and it was super fun. Like, and it's again, like I've continued to learn and grow and have fun. And it's, it, it's a result of, of going to West Point and being an army football player. So. Yes. The, uh, the, the old quote that you always hear is like, nobody likes West Point while you're going through it. Yeah. Do you love going there when you go back as, an old grad or as an instructor, I mean, it is just, uh, like you said, it's a phenomenal place. Um, and, you know, something we always talk about, Seth, is, you know, what do you guys do today or what do, you, what do you do to give back to the program that really, really shaped you in, from a boy to a man? Well, I think so. And I'm going to like talk about a few other people that were there when I was there. And I, I do think those 16, 17, 18 seasons were special for Army football. Like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I happened to be in the Dean's Director at the time, and at the, I was still a 6'5, 290 pound guy walking around. Or, and I, I, had a, I had an infection my second year there. So sometimes I was rolling around in a wheelchair. And, but also, you know, Pete Beer, who was my right guard when I played, Peter taught in the geography department. And I mean, so he's Peter's a super cerebral guy, and I, you know, people will debate me on this, but no, there's never been a stronger man, period, to wear an army football uniform. Like, he is the strongest dude ever to don that helmet and jersey. He was a 500 pound bencher, and I mean, and I mean, when he would, when he would, uh, do the trap bar deadlift it was plates to the end and he and he would just bang out 20 like he, like he's a freak and and i mean i remember and i think you know joel glover like you talk about joel like 
maybe the best pass pass blocking pass blocking offensive lineman ever to go to any any academy period. Like Joel, Joel is one of those guys as an offensive lineman that studies film. Like, uh, and Joel and I are different in how we like our style and how we play. But like he he's one of those guys that's super annoying because you look at him and you're like, well, every time like you just pause it, pause it, and it's like, wow. He's in perfect position again. Like, like, and if you find old pictures, like from when we played, it's like, oh, there's Joel in perfect position again. And then, you know, there's me sometimes overextended, sometimes doing something wonky. Like, it was always tough and it was always mean on my side, but it was like Joel was beautiful. Joel was beautiful. And Peter is the strongest guy. And Pete was strong and mean. And I mean, I know that I've, Posted people with this left hand, and you feel Pete punch him, like punch him, and you're like, oh, he just broke that guy's ribs. Like, <laughs> like, like Pete was mean, man, and like, and I said, but 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 also a cerebral academic guy, and that was my right guard. So like, and now it's when we were there in that 16, 17, 18 time, and I mean, I'm not taking anything away from anybody else, but I like. But it was so much – it was a perfect storm of so many great people there um, that supported that team. General Caslin, Cindy Jeb, obviously Coach Munkin and his staff are phenomenal. Uh, Darcy Schnack and the CEP. Like, just so – like, just a – and then and then Tommy Ryan. Tommy Ryan is a – you know, was an assistant professor in the systems department. I don't think I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a time in academy history like four or three former 300 pound plus offensive and defensive linemen were were field grade officers teaching in the dean's directory. <laughs> like, and and then and then and holding guys accountable. Like, you're uh, hey bro, your subject credit agreement when you write this paper kind of sucks. Like, and they're like, oh, like these large men are also very smart. Like. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I, it was a special time. I loved it. Like that was like, I really, you know, and I, and I do talk about those 13, 14, like those years I lost sleep. And I finally, when, you know, when we beat, beat those guys, uh, where were you, where were you when that happened? I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was, I was just wondering, I was just... but then I was there, but yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that was my, like, I I still feel guilt from that 04, that, the, at least the 04 one. But, like, I was like, okay, I've, I finally kind of repaid my debt. Because this place has given me so much. But, like, these are my kids. The Bryce Hollins, the Edmond Bradshaw, so many of those kids from those teams. Like, I'm invested in these kids. And you know what? Those are great kids. And they're, like unquestionable like worth work ethic character like those are guys you want on your team and man it was fun to be around them it was fun to mentor them like and they like no and they, they just come in your office and say, hey sir let me like like in the conversations we have like you know some of them not for public consumption but like oh like whatever it is like you're there you're like you know you're 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 a field grade officer, but you're also like Uncle Seth. Like, hey, like, what's what, how does this work? 
That's uh, you. you know, that was Colonel. That uh, was Major at the time, but you know, Colonel King and uh, Colonel Rogers. You know, Matt Rogers, uh, engineer officer. He's a full bird at West Point now. He was ROR as a major, and and Major King, Adisa King, who's who's a full bird now. Yeah, yeah. That, those those were my you know uncles, including Ben Kawika. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. those are my uncles slash you know senior officers who, I I I mean. And not to mention Colonel Polka. I mean, Colonel Polka's right. One of the greatest of all. Well, and I mean, he's a he's a fabric. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's part of the institutional fabric. He was on the Council of Colonels. He was part of the Dean's Director for literally decades. You know what I mean? So, what a great guy. I mean, I, I'm sure I was a geography major because of his influence. You know. Yeah. It wasn't because, you know, I was like, you know what? I want to be a jogger. Like, I, you know, it was because Doug Larson told me, hey, like, Seth, you need to be a geography major. And I was like, okay, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> I think that um 2016 game, right, at when Army beats Navy, I think, and I wrote this, Seth and Steve, I wrote this. That was not only a, that was a win for past players as much as it was for the guys on the field, right? I remember former players rushing the field and fearing yes. that I'm going to get knocked over and trampled on right. when I'm out on the field there. And yes. it's just like so many former players I saw in that celebration. It was like, yeah. no, it was, it wasn't until it wasn't until probably a couple years ago where I'd lost. Uh, so I had a bunch of, I was an eyeball constructor. And I had a bunch of students, uh, young lieutenants go to the game. I didn't go. I, j- I just had a newborn son. Um, and, uh, I was like, you get me grass from that field if, you know, when we win. And I had grass in my freezer for like three or four years from the Army-Navy win from 2016. And they grabbed the 50-yard line, like the 50 grass for me because they knew, (laughs) you know, I was number 50. So I had the end zone. (laughs) That's awesome. I had the end zone grass that we scored on to win. And then I had the the number five zero grass. Like, they brought it back to me. As as my eyeball experience, and I was like, I was there spiritually. Yeah. I wish I could have been there physically. Yeah. And, and yeah. Seth, with all due, with all due respect, that year was a tough for them on the begin at the beginning, right? Because that was uh, Brandon Jackson, and oh, yeah. yes, you know yeah. that, that was a, yeah. so they might have wanted to go to a senior officer at, at at that time just to you know just get some stuff out and out in the open, so to speak. No, I think so. No, I think that was part of like. No, and I, it's special to be back there. No, no, and I, I'm not going to, again, I'm not like, if anything, I think on some of those kids, the, especially the plebes, no, I, like, they didn't get any breaks from me. It was like, like uh, I was tough on a lot of them. If I heard like, oh, this, and I'm not, because there was a couple of them, they had to interact with, with me more than they wanted to. And I mean, I've been a, I, I was in their barracks rooms at some points, and I was like, "What are you doing? What did I hear that you did today in class?" Oh, <laughs> like, well, that's and, that's, uh, the best, <laughs> that's the best part is, like, you know, I always believe that. Look, uh, and Major King was like this. Crow King was like this. He was like, "Look, I'm like, you think you're lucky that you're going to come to my company as a company commander, or or you think you're lucky, or you're going to have it easy." That you're yeah, one of my yeah, platoon yeah. leaders in my battalion. Oh no, no, no. The expectation 
yeah. for an army football player, right? You, you, I can't even, I can't even describe it. And yeah. I'm going to hold you to it every day, That's every awesome. day. You're going to get held to it. And look, I'm going to love you. You're you, you are loved, but understand like your shit's going to be pressed. Yeah. All right. Your shit's going to be clean. It's going to be dress, right? Dress. And I'm not going to hear no, uh, you're not going to discredit the team, the organization, the program, not while I'm around. And that's how, that's how Colonel King ran it. Yeah. Man, we just um had um Nate Sassaman two-parter, right, Steve? Yeah. I mean, I think we could probably do a Seth Neiman two-parter too, man. There's so many stories. And as such, you probably didn't even get to some of the things that you uh you might have might have jotted down too. I mean, we really yeah, yeah. appreciate No, that. I like there's so, I don't know. I uh that's a, that that's a, that you know, this podcast is about is about that, man. Like we 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 could do double, you know. We can do Seth again next week. Uh, there is still so much. I mean, I know just from me and Seth, um, the little relationship we've had over the years. Like I yeah. know the impact, and I know the care he has for the program. And you know, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't do this in an hour, an hour and a half for 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 what Seth has Seth has given, and and how much he cares about the program. And um, oh, I I I mean. I'm just a fortunate guy. Like, honestly, like I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful every day, like just for my, Oh, like, you know, and it's a very simple, like, I remember a guy in the bar in Sarles, North Dakota, his name was Wayne Hackett, but like, how are you doing? And he was kind of grumpy because I was like, I'm above the grass. Then I, I, I honestly feel that way. Like, uh, man, I like, and my journey too has been, I, I think I, for a long time, I was always an offensive lineman. Like I lived even as an officer, like um, as a young officer, I had a little bit of like, uh, like that. I I didn't develop into a quarterback's brain to use football analogies until after I was wounded. I think it made me a better person. Um, Cause even as I'm not like, when I was 30, like when I was in my late twenties, I was like, I can run 33 minute five miles and bench press 400 pounds still. Like, what are you going to do to me? Like, uh, and I think that held me back. And then it was when I became wounded, it was like, Hey, I, I'm going to go to grad school. And like, now I'm going to work in a neuroscience lab. Like it, it forced me to be like, there's so much more to me than just being physical and beating people up. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm grateful for that too. And I, I, and I'm grateful for my wife. Like she makes me like, we have academic conversations and <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's kind of forever trying to develop and like, and then, but again, I like, if it wasn't for West Point and army football, like, I don't who knows where this kid would be. So, uh, like I have, I do have a continued obligation to continue to give back however I can, you know? Absolutely. And so it, it means a lot to me, you know, to share a little bit of who I am and what my story is with you guys. And I hope, you know, if there's anybody that I can ever help, <laughs> that's part of being a leader is help, you know, helping other people. So, yeah. Yeah. I know, Steve, you feel the same way. You know, I know you feel the same way when it comes to that stuff. And uh, 
Man, we really appreciate the time, Seth, tonight. Um, guys, if you're watching this, if you want to check out our YouTube channel, we have great podcasts like this one. Uh, we talked about Nate Sassaman. Uh, Jody Glore was on here um, uh, last week. Ahmad Bradshaw, Bryce Holland, we talked about him, right? John Voigt, we have uh, conversations with John Voigt all in our archives now. And uh, now we have one with Seth Neiman. And Seth, it's been a pleasure. We really appreciate you uh, ha- ha- sharing your stories tonight. Yeah, Thank you Seth. so much. Thanks, man, and uh, beat Wake Forest. Yeah. Beat the hell out of Wake Forest. (laughs) Beat them. All right. Thanks, Seth.